0: on Wednesday night, and so I'll have him come and preach for us at this time. Well, good evening. It is always an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to preach, and I'm very excited uh, about this series. You've seen some of the ads up there on the screen, and we're going to be looking at, in this little mini-series, Who is God? It's a very deep, very meaningful, very intriguing question as you can see right there, who is God? Exploring God, who He is, and what that means for the Christian. What looks like I had a sm- just a small Some different characteristics, some different traits of God and who he is, and basically what we're going to do is there are certain instances in the Bible where it simply says God is this or God is that, but perhaps we might look at a name of God. You know, one of our favorites that we used to use in college was Jehovah Jireh, God Provides, You know, that was something that we'd often use as even a joke sometimes. You'd walk in and your teacher would announce, hey, you know that big test we were going to have today? We're going to postpone that to next week. And you'd hear the cold class go, Jehovah, Jireh. Amen. But I am so excited to dive into this series and really get to know and really learn about who God tells us that he is in his word. Now, for at least the first two messages, the format's going to be rather simple. We're going to start with just two simple points: just a definition and an application. In other words, sometimes we hear these things, God is light, God is love. And we simply wonder, you know, what does that really mean? You know, we can sit there and we can hear it all the time. If you've grown up in church, I'm sure you've heard these things before. And and we kind of have a basic understanding of them. You know, we understand that, well, okay, God is light, meaning that, you know, part of God's character is that he is light. But okay, but what does that mean? What exactly does it mean that God is light? And let's look at that here, here tonight. So let's start with number one, the definition. What does it mean that God is light? Well, it's rather simple. Light, by definition, cannot coexist with Darkness. Darkness is, by definition, the absence of light, and I guess you could say that light is, by definition, the absence of darkness. Darkness and light cannot coexist, because, you see, in this world, there are certain polar opposites that could exist together. You know, if you had a vessel right here, you could pour water into that, and we know the opposite of oil is water, and so you could pour, you could pour oil and water into there, and while they may not mix, or they may not be harmonious, the two could coexist with one another, but this is not the case with light and darkness. Darkness and light, there is no coexisting between the two. So when we think about the fact that God is light, what does that mean? So we, we would assume that when we say, we talk about darkness, we're talking about the things of this world. We're talking about sinful things. We're talking about things in this world that are not pleasing to God. So I want us to take this definition that, that darkness is the absence of light and light is the absence of darkness... And I want us to apply it to that idea of the darkness being sin. This means that if you're going to... Sometimes we get this idea that we can walk the line as Christians. We get this idea that I can straddle the fence. I can get the best of both worlds. I can kind of be you know, a Christian over here and I can kind of do what I want over here. But as I said before, darkness and light cannot coexist. So when you open the door for darkness to enter your life... The only way to allow darkness to enter is to remove the light. There is no other way. So the only way to allow perhaps something sinful into an area of your life is to take God out of that area of your life. And sometimes we just don't think of it that way. Sometimes we think about it, well, I can flip-flop. No, you can't. Where there is darkness, there is no light. And where there is light, there is no darkness. When we allow darkness into our life, when we allow sin into our lives, it is not just the welcoming of sin, but it is the removing of God from that area of our life. Now, take that definition and apply it to our world today. We often say that our world is in darkness. We get worried, we say, man, our world, man, they're going down a bad path, they're going down a bad road, oh my goodness, our world is in so much darkness. Now take this definition that God is light and really think about what that means. It doesn't just mean, when we say that our world is in darkness, it doesn't just mean that our world is in sin. When we say that our world is in darkness, we are saying not only are they into sinful things, but there is an absence of God's presence in our world today. There is an absence there because if light was there, darkness could not exist there. And that's the biggest reason why, when we talk to talk to people about things, we say the biggest need is not a psychologist or a therapist or or, or better uh, uh, governmental policies or whatever. The answer is Jesus, because Jesus is, as the Bible says here, God is light, and light is the only thing that can rid the world of darkness. It is, because you see, why does the devil want the world in darkness? Why? Because in the dark, he wins darkness creates a lot of things darkness creates mystery creates uncertainty have you ever had to make perhaps make your way maybe it's in the middle of the night and you get up to get yourself a glass of water and you don't want to turn all the lights on because you're super sleepy and you don't want to you know just get blasted with the light so you're trying to go make your way through the living room and it's like pitch black and you got your hands out you're kind of doing one of these to find out okay where's the couch where's the you know where's the the side table all this stuff and then you bump into something that you didn't think was supposed to be there and now you're extremely nervous because now you have absolutely no idea where you are in the room you're like wait i thought i was by the kitchen but the side tables by my bedroom door wait darkness it creates uncertainty it creates this feeling of kind of just, just groping and kind of feeling out. And you're kind of at the mercy of your surroundings. And it's why God being light and God's presence within our life is so important. Because when the light gets shed on the world, we see things so much more clearly. Because when we begin to recognize that our world is in darkness, meaning that they are going through this life not sure what they're grabbing onto. Not sure of what exactly it is that they're holding on to for stability. They can't see exactly where it's going to lead them. They can't see what, what it's going to do to them. Why? Because there is no light. They are simply groping through life, simply reaching out for something that is going to give them a sense of stability, a sense of guidance, and they don't know what to do. You know, most of us would admit when we're, getting up to get that glass of water at 2 o'clock in the morning, it would be so much easier if we were just, finally just said, you know what, I'm not going to be stubborn, I'll just flip the light switch on. <laughs> That's why I'm thankful that my wife has put a lamp in the hallway for that exact reason, when I have to get up and take the dog out at 4 o'clock in the morning. But darkness, it creates, creates uncertainty. It creates mystery. It creates a, a sense of, honestly, just insecurity. I remember when I was interning in Grand Rapids, uh, the showers that we would most often use were on the other end of the building from where our room was. And the, the, if you've been to Grand Rapids Baptist Church, you know that it's this big, long building. So our, our room was at the opposite end of where these showers were, and all of the lights were at the front of the room. So you had to go to the front of the room, flip the lights off, then sprint through the darkness, hope you didn't trip over a chair, and get to the next room to turn that light off and that light off. I remember that the thing that was scariest to me was not just the darkness itself. It was this feeling of vulnerability. It was this fear of the unknown. That's what darkness does. It creates a sense of fear. It creates this sense of, of, I have to grab onto something. I need to get out of here. I need to. It creates this sense of anxiety. It's why God is so needed in our society today. So then the question must be asked, if God then is light, what could he do for our world today? About a week or so ago, uh, many remember Will Hepworth being here. And we, we started our Christian club over at Mason County Central. And we praised the Lord and we saw one young lady in Christ as her Savior. And I was talking to Will after that service. And I remember he said something to me that really stuck out to me. I said, you know, it was incredible. This, this young lady... You know, she was so sweet. I could have sworn she was a church girl. She had a great attitude. I said, I thought, for sure, there's no way. And she just came in, and I found out later she had actually had no intention of coming to the club in the first place, just had some time to burn, saw one of her friends going, and said, sure, I'll go. And when the gospel was given, she accepted it, just like that. And Will looked at me, and he said, Parker, it's amazing to think how many people would get saved if they just had a chance. I would venture to say that there's probably some of you in here who, you know, when you got saved, somebody had to work on you for a little bit. They had to, you know, kind of chip away and they kind of had to get get through a little bit. But I would even venture to say that perhaps there's some people in here who said, yeah, I got saved and the reason that I wasn't saved wasn't because I was hardened, wasn't because I was rebellious, but it was just because I didn't know. I didn't know. I remember going on a church planning trip in college, helping out a church planner in Pasadena, and coming across these people who, I remember just one city over from where this great church, I mean, city of thousands and thousands of people. The church planner, he looked at us and he said, guys, I want you to know there's no gospel preaching church in this city. And so we were walking around with a survey that just said, hey, if you, if if you, we were to start a church in this area, would you be interested? And if they said yes, and we would continue on through a gospel presentation. I remember meeting an 80-some-year-old man who well, I just asked him. I said, sir, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? He kind of shrugged, and he said, I think so. Well, sir, what if I told you there's a Bi- the Bible says there's a way that you can know? There's a way that the Bible says you can know 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven. And if you'd like, I could share that with you right now. And we know California is this land of all the crazy liberals... ...and all the people who hate everything that's good and right. But that man just looked at me and said, okay. And he accepted Christ right there in his doorstep. What we as Christians need to stop doing... ...is we need to stop making decisions for people. In other words, we need to stop deciding... ...before we go to the door that they're not interested. We need to stop deciding that that coworker that we're with every day... We need to stop deciding for them that, well, they don't want to hear that. Because, man, imagine that that's you. Imagine being in that person's seat where your eternity is now on the line because someone decided for you that, well, you you probably wouldn't be interested. You probably wouldn't. Yeah, no, it'd probably just be awkward. I'd probably just get rejected. No, what you ought to do is you ought to present the gospel. And you know what? If at that point they sit there and they say, whoa, that's not for me. Okay. But at least give them the ability to choose. And of course, follow up. We talk about that all the time. But we need to stop taking that decision out of people's hands when the reality is it's not that we're actually looking at them and saying, well, they're going to hard, hard reject it. The reality is we just don't want to get up the courage to do it. And it's a hard pill to swallow and it's one I struggle with as well. You know, I've had times when I've met people at the door and they've had, I've had a good conversation with them and, and I've said, all right, well, I'll see you later. And they shut the door and I just kicked myself. I said, man, felt like I had an open door there. And I just I got nervous. I missed it. It happens to all of us, but we need to stop making that decision for other people. Because listen, some people, they're going to reject it, and that's, that's going to happen. It's unfortunate, but it's going to happen. But we need to at least give them the opportunity to choose. We ought to. It's our duty. What's what the Bible says? Because you see, sometimes once we've opened that door, it's amazing the response you'll see. How even the most hardened people, when you tell them about God's love, will burst into tears. How people that you thought, no way, never, will practically look at you and say, why didn't you tell me sooner? We need to stop taking that decision out of people's hands because our world is in darkness. Our world is groping through life, looking for something, not understanding what it is that the toxicity of the things that they're holding on to, not understanding that these things aren't going to lead them to fulfillment and joy and peace. Our world doesn't understand that because they don't see, because they don't have the light. They don't have the light, they're in darkness and they cannot see what it is that they're holding on to. And if we continue to make the decision for people that they're not interested, that that, well they're just going to reject it, if we continue to make that decision for people, then our world's not going to change. It was once said that all it takes for evil to win is for good people to stand by and do nothing. Sometimes we as Christians can say more by what we don't do than by what we do. So that's that's the definition. We look at that and we say that God is light, and our world needs that light in order to understand how to make it through this life, in order to have a clear picture of how to get through the obstacles and the winding roads that this life brings. But let's look at the application. The application. God is light. Great. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me as a believer? The Bible tells us quite clearly here in verse number six if we say that we have fellowship with Him, if there's one thing the Bible makes clear, it's that talk is cheap. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. Now, I really believe that the usage of the word lie here is very important. Because lie implies an intentional act. You know, because sometimes we like to be, we say that ignorance is bliss. We like to be willfully ignorant. Well, you know, we try to reason our way, rationalize our way out of things. Well, that's not, is that really what that verse says? Well, this, that. The Bible says, listen, if we say that we have fellowship with him. If we say, well, yeah, I'm on the right path, I'm, I'm going God's way, and we walk in darkness, and we are knowingly allowing sin into our life, the Bible says there is no if ands, or buts about it. We lie. Lie implies an intentional act. You know, if, if somebody were to walk up to you and they were to say that they believed in, in this particular thing, and then you found out later that they, it wasn't that they were deceived, it wasn't that they were lying to you, but rather that it was they were completely ignorant of perhaps a different subject. We wouldn't look at that person and say that they lied, we'd just say they were, they were ignorant. But the Bible says, listen, if we walk in darkness and try to say that we have fellowship with God, listen, you're not ignorant, you're just lying, is what the Bible says. Why? Because you have an instruction manual. You, you have everything you need right here. It's not like there's a, there's a question that you can't go to this book for an answer for. There is nothing in this life that God has not provided for you that you genuinely need. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, whereby are given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. God has given you everything that He needs through your relationship with Him and through His Word. So the Bible says that when we say that we walk with Him and we don't, we're lying. We're lying. And so, remember, darkness and light, they, they cannot coexist. We've, we've, I've mentioned that several times now. Darkness and light cannot coexist. So you say, Pastor Berger, how do I take myself out of the darkness? Well, there's only one way. Go towards the light. That's the only way. And listen, wherever you are at, whatever part of your journey that you are at, you might be a newly saved Christian in your 80s, or you might be a Christian who's been saved for 15 years and you're in your 20s. But wherever you are at, just simply get into this book, ask God, God, what is my next step, and walk towards the light. God's will is not this complicated, mystical thing that we have to search for, and hopefully if we look hard enough, we'll find it. The Bible says this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Sanctification is a really fancy way of saying becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So what is God's will for your life? To become more like Jesus. You want to get out of the darkness? Walk to the light. You know, I've done that before, or perhaps you know, I've walked in here after, after perhaps the lights got turned off, and there's a light over in that hallway, and I always use that light as my guiding point because I want to get out of the darkness, I want to get into the light so I can see properly. If you want to get out of the darkness, walk towards the light. But you see, here's the thing. The Bible draws a contrast here. There's, a very, there's another word that is included in this verse. It says, if. We walk in the light in verse number 7. Verse number 7, it says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. But you see, here's the thing. It's an if statement. If implies that something is conditional. Fellowship with God and fellowship with one another is contingent upon us walking in the light. The Bible says that only by pride cometh contention. And let me tell you, pride is really, it is really easy for pride to sneak in when we are in the darkness. It's very easy, incredibly easy. But the Bible says when we walk in the light, not only do we have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with, what are those two, one, one with who? Another. One with another. You see, not only does it improve our relationship with him, but it improves our relationship with our Christian brothers and sisters as well. You know, have you ever noticed that those times when your devotions are going really well, Seems like the time when you're most understanding to your spouse, when you're perhaps most patient with your children, when you're perhaps more willing and more likely to, you know, jump on a service project, but man, when when things are rough, when perhaps you've missed a day here or there, and you've kind of been skipping around in your devotions, and, ah, well, it's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, when that service project comes, you've got every excuse in the book. You do. I'm not saying that you have to jump on every single service project there is. But oftentimes, when we step away from that light, when somebody who is walking in the light comes toward us, it is almost a little bit scary. Because when that person who is in the light, it begins to shed light on our lives and we begin to see our filth. We begin to see the dirt that is in our lives. We don't like that, do we? It's not fun. And too often our response, when that light comes and we see the dirt that we're covered in, it is not to go, oh man, you're right, I need to get back there, I need to get cleaned up, I need to make sure that I'm back in the light. Too often it is instead to go, whoa, whoa, no, no, you need to go that way so that I can stay here and stay in my comfort zone. If God is light, the only way for us to have fellowship with him is to stay out of the darkness. It's the only way. Now am I saying that in order for us to have a proper relationship with God that we need to be perfect? Of course not. God understands that God understands that we have flaws. But the Bible also says that listen this is this is a choice. This is a choice that you have to make if we walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. If it's conditional, it's a choice. I want to bring your attention to just one last verse here tonight. Because we have to ask the question, the light, you know, it's wonderful, it's warm, it's Inviting, you know, having a a joyful relationship with God, you know, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. So why don't more people strive for it? You're there in first John chapter one. Turn over to verse chapter number three. First John chapter number three. Look at verse number nineteen. Verse number nineteen. The Bible says, "Hold on! It looks like I wrote down the wrong reference. So I'll lead, I'll read you the verse here. The Bible says in the the Bible says, in this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why do people stay out of the light?'" Because they're afraid of what it'll shed light on. They're afraid of what they'll see. And what we need to understand about God, as we'll see next week, is that God is not a judgmental father who, when you come back to him, he's standing on his porch, arms crossed, going, Where have you been? God is not a, a harsh and cruel father who's going to put you in your place when you come, oh, let me tell you about what, what you ought to done. No, God is a loving father. Yeah, he's standing on that porch, but he's waiting for you. In that moment, that moment that he sees you coming down the road, that moment that he sees you've made that decision that, you know what, I want to get back in the light. God, I'm dirty. God, I messed up. He's not a judgmental father. He's going to come running. Wrap his arms around your neck. Say, my child, welcome home. Oh, I've waited so long. Oh, I've been, I've, I've, I've pled so long. I've been dying to see you come down this road for so long. Let's get you cleaned up. Let me help you. Some of you in here have testimonies of exactly that kind of thing. How perhaps you were living a life that was worldly, secular. Living a life that, again, unbeknownst to you, that you perhaps maybe didn't even know was wrong. Many of you, I'm sure, could share testimonies of how you made that decision to walk towards the light. God never rejected you. He never sent you away. He welcomed you. With warm, loving arms. Yeah, there were some things that probably stung a little bit to get cleaned up. But I don't think there's a single person in here who's been down that path and wouldn't look right back at you and say, oh, it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, you know what, every now and then, that, that, that medicine he'd put on that wound or that, that particular thing he used to clean me up, it didn't always feel so good. But man, once I was cleaned up, once I was back in that light, man, I never wanted to go back. So let me ask you tonight, are you walking in the light? Are you? Are you living every day in the reality that your God is light and not only does that mean that you as a Christian ought to stay out of the darkness, but living in the reality of I, my friends, my loved ones, my neighbors are living in darkness and they need to see the light. Is that a reality that you come to grips with each and every single day? It's not an easy pill to swallow. In fact, it can be a convicting one to swallow. Oh, but once you see the results of going down that path, the only question you'll ask yourself is why didn't I do this sooner? What took me so long? Will you choose that path tonight? Let's all stand with our our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe there's one in here tonight that would sit here and would say, Pastor Parker, I don't know if I've ever seen that light. I don't know if I've ever had a moment where i begun a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ, He desires a relationship with you. We could never make it to heaven on our own. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the penalty for our sin was eternity forever in a terrible place of torture and agony. But the Bible says that God had no desire that we would go there, so he sent down his son Jesus to die for us. Paying the price, taking our place, paying the penalty for our sin. And because of his payment for our sins on that cross,